Welcome to the Empowered Essence Podcast, where we liberate you and empower you to let your soul lead the way in life and business. I am your host, Laura Lawrence, sharing my thoughts and intimate conversations with featured guests on human design, energetics, and spirituality to provide you with the tools you need to tap into your most authentic self. I am here to empower you to walk away feeling ready to live your most expansive and purposeful life. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of Empowered Essence. I am so excited that you're going to be tuning into this week because I'm going to be playing teacher this week. So we're going to be doing a bit of a foundations in human design, understanding the key aspects of it, a little bit of history on it. And then for those veterans, you're still going to get something out of this because you're also going to get my own personal lessons learned and and the things that I've really worked to embody over these last few years of my human design journey. So what I love about human design, so I called it a human design journey because human design is an experiment. It truly is an experiment. So they say from the moment that you find human design or human design finds you, it takes about seven years to truly embody it. And that's because of the layers of conditioning that we face. We go through life, um, childhood, our teenage years, early adulthood, and we are we face various experiences. We face societal expectations of us, what our parents tell us is right and wrong, and what our teachers tell us is is the way to do things. And so we are conditioned with a ton of stuff. And so think of human design as the guide or the roadmap that's leading you to your truest, most authentic self. And so when you align to your design, you start beginning to operate in a way that's very natural to you. But what that requires is pulling away all of these layers of conditioning. What people told you would make you successful. What people told you would get you to to the things that you desire. Like I said, we are faced and we are, people tell us things, we start believing things, we have experiences that make us feel and think a certain way. But sometimes those things are just meant to be lessons or teachers for us. And they're not meant to be ingrained in our brains as to how things need to be or should be. What human design does is it allows us to take a very objective view of all of our experiences and say, well, like what's true for me? What is what is the best thing for me to do in this situation? Or who do I want to be? What do I want to stand for? And it gives us this confidence to like stand in our power and to know who we are on this very, very, very deep level. And the other thing that I love about human design, oftentimes human design is compared to personality tests. So the, people think it's like a Myers-Briggs or an Enneagram. And I actually think that they are that human design is the furthest thing from a personality test. And there's a couple of reasons for that. So personality tests are very dependent on how well you know yourself and how accurately you actually answer the questions. So personality tests are, you know, you're given a set of questions, you answer them. And so 
sometimes, especially in the workplace, because they like to do personality tests, especially in the corporate world, you answer questions based on your ego, based on what you think people want to hear, not actually based on who you are. And also because you are so conditioned to think a certain way, you might not even realize that you're not answering them in the most truthful way. So that's the thing about answering questions because human design is not based on answering questions. It's based on your birthday, birth time, and birth city. So you can't BS it. It is is truly based on the planetary positions when you were born. The other piece is that personality tests are a snapshot in time based on how you answer those questions at a particular point in time. It does not take into account any of your evolution, any of your growth, or who you could become in the future. And that's what's so cool about human design because it integrates both your conscious personality as well as your unconscious personality. And we have access to both of these pieces. And this is where that evolution and that experimenting really lies is because as we start embodying and learning more about our human design, we start unearthing these new pieces of ourselves, these new pieces of our personality that we didn't know exist. We start unlocking these aspects of our purpose that we didn't know we had access to. So that is what I love about human design. And that's why I think it's so different from a personality test if you've ever been (laughs) asked that question before. And so just to give you a little bit of background on human design. So this is my, this is my brief history lesson for you. So human design was founded in 1987 by a man named Alan Robert Crowker, who later changed his name to Ra Uruhu. And he was a business ba- businessman born in Montreal, Canada in 1948. He owned his own advertising agency, but he decided to give it all up and move to Ibiza. He worked there as an artist, a poet, and a musician. And on January 3rd, 1987, he had an extrasensory event, which he called The Voice. So for eight days and nights, he was taught the mechanical and spiritual nature of the universe. So basically, he channeled the human design system as we know it. And from what I've read and what I understand, this channeling, this voice that he heard was not an easy experience. Like he was basically awake for eight days and eight nights and just channeled and wrote the entire textbook, essentially, of human design. So it wasn't a joyous experience. It was very much very deep, very intense. And just like this, like unearthing of all of this knowledge and wisdom coming to him. Human design is made up of a bunch of different modalities. So there's astrology, the I Ching, Kabbalah, the chakra system, and some modern sciences like quantum mechanics, astronomy, genetics, and chemistry. And so the thing about human design, what Ra really instilled as a teacher is that you're not to believe anything. It is meant to be an experiment and you are meant to see what makes sense for you. How does it feel? What works? What doesn't work? What, what do you believe to be true based on your own experiences? And I think, you know, especially now, there's, there can be some 
thoughts of human design as it being very culty <laughs> or that, you know, people believe it to be gospel and, you know, you have to operate by the book. But the way that I approach it is very much from an experimental perspective to see like what works and people experience different things. So like you will talk to various generators or manifesting generators and talk to them about their sacral, even the experience of the sacral response is so different between people. Like I can give you a guideline in terms of how it feels or what you may sense, but you need to experience that for yourself. What is your sacral gut response feel like? Some people say it feels like a smile. Some people feel, say it just like, it's just this like, just knowing. So like other people experience it differently. So what's cool about human design is that you get to experience it for yourself and to know what is true for you. Okay. So if you are new to human design and you have never pulled your human design chart, my recommendation is to go to either mybodygraph.com or to go to myhumandesign.com. Those are probably my two go-to, but there are various sites that you can pull your human design chart from. And so what you'll need is your birthday, birth time, and birth city. And so if you don't have your birth time, it actually is quite important. So you can either go to your local hospital and see if, if they have your birth records still. Um, you can also play around with the times in the day, you know, doing a morning, noon and evening to see if the, if the chart changes at all. Sometimes the chart won't change throughout the day. Other times it will a matter of 10 minutes made a difference in my chart. Um, so you can play around with it and see, you know, what resonates best with you as you start learning more about human design, or you could also use a pendulum. Um, I, I, we actually use that for my husband to find his birth time. So you can Google how to use a pendulum that, that can also be an option for you. So when you pull your human design chart, it will look like a very foreign thing when you first pull it. But I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the key aspects of your chart. So the very first thing and the most important thing in human design is your energy type. So your energy type is your aura, and it is how you're meant to operate in the world. So your aura is the energetic field that sits about three to four feet around your body. And so think of it like, so you know how when you meet someone for the first time, they don't even have to speak to you, and you can already pick up a little bit of their vibe. That's what the aura is. It's like it gives you some sense of communication in terms of what this person is like. And so that that aura, that energetic field is our energy type and it it gives us indications in terms of how we are meant to operate in the world. And then going along with that is your strategy. So how you're meant to move through the world, how you're meant to interact with the people and the circumstances and opportunities around you. So there are five different energy types. You have generators, manifesting generators, projectors, manifestors, and reflectors. 70% of the world's population are generators and manifesting generators, and they are the workers of the world. They are those who just have this like creative life force energy to bring these amazing things to life. And so 
they all have a defined sacral, which is one of the energy centers. And that is their life force energy. That is what helps them have this sustainable energy to bring things, to create, to just be the lights of the world. And so what's so important for them is to follow what lights them up, to follow the things that excite them, because not only does that give them more energy when they, when they follow the things that they love to do, but it also empowers others to do the things that they love because their energy becomes very magnetic. The difference between um, a generator and a manifesting generator, or at least one of the main differences is that a manifesting generator is very multi-passionate. They have qualities of the manifester. So they're a bit of a hybrid between the manifester and, and generator in the sense that they are very much visionaries. They, they see the bigger picture, but then they also have this like energy to bring things to life. And, and so they also have this multi-passionate nature about them that they can, you know, be in love with so many different things or have so many different things on the go. Then we have 20% of the world's population are projectors. And so projectors are the, the guides of the world, the leaders, the, the teachers. We see, I am a projector, if you didn't know that already. So we see people so deeply and we know what's working, what's not working. Um, we see systems. We love systems. That's why a lot of projectors love human design, because it helps us to see people even deeper than we already do and help make sense of why we see people so deeply. So that is something that's so cool, but we don't have that consistent energy like the generators and the manifesting generators. So we need to be very conscious in terms of how we use our energy. And, and that's what makes us such great guides is that we're not here to do all of the time. We're not here to bring things to life necessarily. We're here to guide and to lead people. And that becomes our purpose and our gifts. Then about eight to 9% of the world's population are manifestors. And so the manifestors are the CEOs. They are the visionaries. They are the ones that have these like creative ideas and they often, you know, start movements, but like the, the projectors, they don't have that same sustainable energy that the generators and manifesting generators do. So they're not here to necessarily bring those ideas and visions to life. They're here to share it with the world and then have a team or support to, or create a movement where they, they rally people and get people excited and empowered to, to bring it to life. And then lastly is 1% of the world's population are reflectors. So our reflectors are our unicorns. And the cool thing about reflectors is that they have all open energy centers. So they basically absorb the energy of the people and the environments around them and reflect back the, the condition or the health of those environments. So if you think of a corporation as an example, a company, a reflector in a really great corporate culture is going to be super engaged and ready to go and want to contribute. But then a reflector in a poor corporate culture 
is going to take in that negative energy, is going to be depressed, you know, may not be as engaged or excited or passionate about what they do. So they're reflecting back that health of that environment that's around them. And so that's the cool thing about reflectors is that they are the mirrors of the world. They show the world what's going right and what's going wrong. And so then the next piece down is your authority. And so your authority is how you are meant to make decisions. And so we are conditioned to believe that we are meant to make decisions with our brains, with our minds. We do the pros and cons list. We think it over. We think it over again. But that's actually not the case. We all have a different area of our body, a different sensation, a different way to process and, and make decisions. So there are, are various different authorities. So you could be an emotional authority, which is your emotions. You could be a sacral authority, which is that gut feeling. You could be a splenic authority, which are like these intuitive hits. So there are a variety of different authorities, but it's really important to be able to tap into and understand that because that is how we you know, filter out what is right and what is wrong for us, how we make decisions, how we move forward. And, and this isn't necessarily like the smaller decisions in life. Like, do I want a coffee today? Or do I want to go to the gym today? These are like those big decisions, you know, making investments in your business, you know, new things that you want to launch in your business, whether you want to move the partner that you choose in life all of those sorts of things. So like understanding how our body processes and and communicates to us about what's right and what's wrong for us is so, so important in life and business. So that's your authority. The next is your profile. And so your profile is your role in life, your personality. And there are two numbers that make up your profile. And so the first number in your profile is your conscious personality. So When you understand what each of the numbers are um, with your conscious personality, you will understand or you will see those features in your life. You will be like, yeah, that resonates. I see that in myself. I get that. And then the second number in your profile is your unconscious personality. And so you may or may not recognize that in yourself, but other people will see those qualities and characteristics of you. And so there are six lines um, in the profile. So one through six, but they're in various different combinations. So there are 12 different profile combinations that you can have, but I have to say like the profile. So my energy type for sure. When I found out I was a projector, I totally resonated with being a projector, but my profile lines, when I understood my profile, I released, I did a lot of healing when I found out about my profiles because I was able to release a lot of shame and guilt in terms of who I was. And, and I'll talk a little bit about that at the end. Um, but yeah, profile lines were a game changer for me. The next piece is, is your energy centers. So the energy centers are the various different shapes (laughs) in your human design chart. And so if you have a, if you have colored in energy centers, those are your defined energy centers. And if they are white, then they are undefined energy centers. So what they're, what they're all about is it's how energy impacts you, how you process it and where you may be more susceptible to conditioning. So 
in those defined energy centers, the, the colored in centers, that's where you have consistent energy, your own consistent energy. And they often call those your gifts in human design, your own personal gifts or your strengths. If you have an undefined energy center where it's completely white, then that, or they call that either undefined or open. I use those often interchangeably, but that's where you may be more susceptible to conditioning. So open energy centers means that you don't have consistent energy in that, in those spaces. And you're often absorbing and amplifying the energy of those around you. So you're picking up on what people are feeling, sensing, thinking, um, what they're afraid of, depending on whatever, whatever the energy center is, there are different things that you can pick up on. And so, like I said, you can be more susceptible to conditioning because you're picking up on other people's beliefs, potentially, you know, what other people are feeling and they may not actually be your own. So, so it's really important. And you know, eventually we will dive into the energy centers, but it's really important to know um, what is your energy and what are you picking up from other people. Then there are the gates and the channels, and these are also ways to understand your personality on a deeper level. And then lastly is your incarnation cross. And so your incarnation cross is the four most important gates in your human design chart. And it's really what represents your purpose in life. And so you will inevitably live out your purpose. Um, but understanding your incarnation cross from my perspective just helps you amplify it, helps you understand it at such a deeper level. So if there was one thing, like, so if, if out of all of this in your human design chart, the key things that you want to know are your energy type, your strategy and authority. If you knew nothing else in human design, then that's all that matters because your energy type strategy and authority are how you're meant to operate, how you're meant to move through the world and how you're meant to make decisions. The other pieces of it are more just along the lines of your personality and, and how energy impacts you. And so your energy type strategy and authority are really those things that help you move through life on a day-to-day basis. And it's what helps open up your purview, helps you open up the way you see things, the way you react, the way you respond to life. And for me, it has changed so, so much. So if there, if you only knew those three things, that is where to start. That is where you want to want to start to dive in. And so for me, the key things that I think I've personally gained from this, and, and I know my clients have gained this, is that you just begin, human design just has this way of helping you see the world so differently, helping you to see people differently, helping you to see circumstances differently, helping you to see yourself differently. Like if there's anything, you know, you obviously, if you've been considering doing human design, offering readings or integrating it into your business in particular, focus on yourself first, focus on your own embodiment first, understanding it. How does it impact you? What are like your own points of conditioning and and working on that deconditioning process before you bring it into, into your business and sharing it with other people? Because there's just this level of embodiment and integrity that needs to come first 
before you can share it with other people. It is such a lived experience. And for me, it's just helped me see the world so differently, respond to the world so differently. And it's also helped me personally just reclaim myself, build this level of personal power, this personal confidence in who I am. And it be okay that I operate in a way that is like perfect for me, that I don't have to do things in a way that other people say it has to be done. So learning that I was a projector was an absolute game changer for me because my background, I was a straight A student. I went to business school. I pushed myself really, really hard. I always got rewarded based on my accomplishments, based on my achievements. And then going out into the work world, I just pushed myself so hard. I always wanted to be the best. I always wanted to you know, get to that next level, get that next promotion, be seen by the, by the leaders. And I always pushed myself so, so hard to the point that I burnt myself out regularly. It wasn't about me in a lot of ways. It was always about me doing stuff for other people in order to be recognized. Like I I did it to the detriment of myself. And that's so common for projectors is that we just don't know when enough is enough. And, and so what understanding myself as a projector, I really took a step back and said, okay, like what is that point? What is that point of when enough is enough and finding that right balance, integrating self-care, integrating space into my life. So as a projector, I'm only meant to work four to six hours a day. So how do I create more space? How do I create more joy? How do I create more fun? Before finding human design, I didn't have any hobbies. When my husband asked me, like, what, like, what do you do for fun? Like, I could not answer him because my whole life revolved around work. And so human design, like, gave me this permission slip to be like, okay, you need to like, take it back a notch. You need to actually find things that you enjoy doing that you find fun. The other thing um, that human design, so I talked about the profile lines and I had a lot of healing with understanding my profile lines. So I am a one, three profile. So the one is all about finding knowledge and foundation in knowledge. Like I want to understand everything and anything. And I had a lot of shame around that because sometimes I thought I was different. Like I always had to know things. I always had to understand things and people would be like, well, why do you need to know that? Just like, go do it. You know, just don't worry about that. But I always needed to know. I always needed to understand. And, and for me, it gave me like this permission slip that it's okay to want to be a constant learner. It's okay to want to understand things to the point that I'm not over consuming. There is a point that I, that I need needed to learn that there was a point of overconsumption, but it was okay that I wanted to have this foundation in the knowledge that I had. And then my, my third line. So being a one, three profile, my second, the second number in my profile is a three. And the third line is all about experimenting trial and error, doing things, learning things, getting the lesson, extracting the lesson. And one of my one thing that I personally 
learned or overcame was that there are no such thing as failures. There are only lessons. When things didn't go right, I always attributed them as failures. I never, I never looked at them as lessons. And so it often prevented, it would often like throw me out. When I launched my business and I launched my very first program in my business, um, I shared this on, on my previous podcast where I had one person sign up and I attributed that as a failure. Like I wanted five, 10, you know, however many people I wanted in my program. And, and I only had one person. That's the way I viewed it. So I viewed that at the time as a failure coming out of this and really understanding my human design. I look at that as such a cool lesson. (laughs) I was able to look at that whole situation, that whole experience as such a rich learning experience of why I was operating out of alignment as a projector, you know, why I was, you know, operating out of alignment with my defined heart, trying to prove myself. Like there was so much, so many lessons learned. And when I was able to take that approach versus looking at it as a failure, I was able to extract the lessons and continue on in my business. And that is so huge that like as an entrepreneur and especially someone as a third line and even the six lines, as you'll learn (laughs) throughout this, um, being able to extract the lessons and move on makes you so agile, makes you so adaptable. And you're, you're able to really move on quickly, you know, extract the lessons and move on quickly, but you gain so much trust from people because you've been there and you've done that. You've experienced things and people really, really admire that. I know I've always admired that about people that they've, you know, they've tried these things, they didn't work out, but they learned these lessons and now they're so much better off because of it. That is so powerful. That is so, um, so wise of people as well. So anyways, that was, that was another huge learning of mine. The other thing is I have a defined heart. And so defined hearts are very rare. There's only, only 30% of the population is a defined heart. And your heart is really all about this willpower, this ability to move mountains. And I have this consistent energy in this space because it's defined. And I, know that when I put my mind to something, when I put my energy to something, I will 100% get it done. But the issue was, is I would always put my energy 100% behind things that I didn't fully enjoy doing. And that is where I would always burn myself out because I would commit to things that I didn't enjoy doing, but I committed to it and I stuck with it and just completely depleted every ounce of energy that I had left. And so, and I did that from a place of proving, proving myself, proving my worth, wanting to be the best, all of those sorts of things. And when I was able to take a step back and say, you know, any situation, you know, any opportunity that comes my way, it's like, do I want to do this? Do, if I were to commit my full energy, knowing that I will 100% get it done or be successful, is this something that I want to commit my energy to? And that's something that I always, always, always ask myself now when it comes to committing to new projects, um, new offers that I put out in my business, anything, um, especially this, this podcast, like this is something that that's been near and dear to my heart for two years. 
And I had the commitment and the willpower to stick with it, even though, you know, seemingly things didn't seem to be working out to, to bring it to life. But this was something that was so important and I love it. And I've enjoyed so much being able to, to share this wisdom with all of you. The other thing is I, I never knew why I had these like really strong intuitive knowings. So I have a defined G center. And I remember when I was a kid, I was in grade eight and my parents took me on the high school tour and we're going around doing the high school tour and, you know, you have to pick electives for elective courses for grade nine. And my parents are like, okay, so do you want to take gym? Do you want to take art? Like, what do you want to take drama? All of those fun type courses. And I said, no, I want to take business. And my parents were like, what? Why, why do you want to take business? I knew, I knew in grade eight that I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I knew this like deep in my soul, like, and I never, I never knew why I just had this intuitive instinctive knowing that this was the path that I was on, but it's because of the defined G center. And our G center is really all about our identity. It's all about our sense of purpose or sense of direction in life. And so oftentimes people with defined G centers just have this like intuitive knowing of what they're meant to do. And we may not always know the right next step or the right path to get there, but we have this like vision. We have this direction that we want to head. And as long as we're heading in that direction, things are great. We trust those intuitive knowings and, and those, um, those opportunities that come up, you know, listening to our authority in terms of what's right and what's wrong for us in those given moments. And I also, so interesting enough to, and as part of my human design discovery, I have the um, channel of surrender, which is also the channel of entrepreneurship. So the fact that I had this intuitive knowing that I wanted to be an entrepreneur one day is so, so ingrained in, in my human design. Also, um, I have gate 28 as my conscious sun gate. And so our conscious sun gate is probably the most prominent gate in our chart. Um, And that's because it is this huge part of our personality and we will, it will shine through. Um, You will notice it. You will recognize it when you understand what that, what that gate is. And so my gate 28 is the gate of the game player. And so it's a gate in the spleen and it's also associated with the fear of dying. (laughs) And it's actually, it's not, it's not actually the fact that you're afraid of dying. It's just this fear of dying before finding your purpose. And so when I found human design, I was in my Saturn return. I was probably at the lowest point of my, well, actually it was probably just before the lowest point of my Saturn return. and. I felt purposeless. That's how I would, that's how I described it to my husband. I was like, I feel purposeless. I feel like I have no, no, no direction in life. No, um, no sense of accomplishment or excitement or just passion in life. Like nothing that's like getting me so excited to get out of bed every day. And, and so when I found human design and I read that you know, gate 28 was my conscious sun gate and, and the shadow frequency of it is to feel purposelessness. It was like, oh my gosh, 
<laughs> that was a huge, huge light bulb that went off. So that conscious sun gate for you is something that you will feel so, so, so deeply because it is our life's work. It is the thing that we are here to transmute. It is the thing that we are here to overcome. And actually, interestingly enough, plays a huge role in business because it ultimately becomes our brand. And so for me, purpose and finding your purpose is so ingrained in my brand because that's been my journey, trying to find my purpose. Like what, what am I here to do? And, and through this, it's really like this teaching, this empowering, these, this helping other women find their purpose. That is what I am here to do. And I am here to share with the world. And so always, always check your conscious sun gate. And, and that will definitely help you if you're feeling lost in terms of what is my brand? You know, what is my messaging? What am I all about as a, as a business owner, looking at your conscious sun gate is, is huge, huge, huge. And then lastly, another lesson that I have gained is about me being an emotional authority. I always I, and this is so common for emotional authorities that we make our emotions mean something about ourselves. We have emotional waves that actually mean nothing about us, about our abilities, about our capability to succeed in life. But oftentimes when we ride these emotional waves, we make them mean something about ourselves and we hold on to them and they get stuck. And we don't allow ourselves to properly like process and allow our emotions to flow. So when we can allow our emotions to flow, then that's really when we, you know, own our emotions and, and, and we can look at them in a very objective way versus making them mean something about ourselves. So I've learned to love my emotions and, and look at them as teachers. And also, you know, my husband, he's a sacral authority and he's very calm, cool, collected, you know, he is not a very emotional person, but I know how much my emotions can affect him. So I'm also very conscious of how, when I'm riding my emotional waves, there are very healthy ways of dealing with my emotions, not to impact other people not just to like vent and offload on other people because that can that can negatively impact other people too that are that are then taking on my emotions. So I have become a lot more uh, emotionally intelligent in terms of deciphering what my emotions are trying to tell me, being very objective about them and then also being very cognizant of how my emotions impact other people. So those also have been some huge lessons learned for me. So Anyways, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've given you an overview of human design. I've shared some of my own personal lessons learned. And I just think human design is is so incredible. I, <laughs> I'm totally loving on it right now because it has impacted so many areas of my business. It has helped me reclaim my passion, power, purpose in life. It has impacted my relationships with my husband. You know, we understand each other at such a deeper level. It's funny. We actually, on the weekend, we were having a conversation and I was saying to him, oh, like, why don't you just want to do that? You're just such a hermit. <laughs> me being very sarcastic that I am. And he says to me, his response back to me was, you're right, Laura. I am like, 
I can't, I can't, uh, I can't fight my human design. And he's, so he's a two, four profile. So he's a, a two line, which is the hermit. So he's started to pick up on my human design speak and he understands me better. I understand him better. Um, we understand our kids. Oh my gosh. We, like knowing that my daughter's a generator, my son's a manifesting generator. They're both five, one profiles. They are boss kids. Like they are leaders. Um, already at, at three and one years old. So, but it's so cool. It's so cool to see their personality and be able to encourage those things rather than force them to fit a box or force them to be a certain way that they're not. And, and that's, what's been so, so cool about parenting. And then in my business, you know, just having the confidence to do things my way. And knowing and trusting that my way is is the only way. That's the way that that's going to make me successful. And then recognizing that my clients are not meant to do things the way that I'm meant to do things. Um, I'm not here to create robots. I'm here to empower women to do things their way. I am here to create a revolution, which is uh, the gate that my North Node is in. And so I am here to shake shit up. I am here to get people thinking in a different way that they don't have to do things the same way that their parents did things, that other people do things, that their friends do things. Like we are here to be individuals and to stand in our power. And that is what human design has provided me. And that is why I am sharing this wisdom to you. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. And over the next, um, it's in the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing a series on the energy types. So really doing a deep dive into each of the energy types so that you can have a better understanding of the real true foundation of human design. Like I said, if there was one thing that you need to learn in human design, it is that energy type and, and the corresponding strategy for the energy type. So that's going to be exciting. And then lastly, so if you've loved this and you're like, tell me more, I want to know more, I would love for you to join my wait list for my human design certification. I am launching a human design certification this month, and it is going to be a five-month human design certification run by yours truly. And it's going to be amazing because we are going to dive into all of the key aspects of human design, but then also really focus on embodiment work of it for you to embody it, for you to understand it, for you to integrate it into your life and into your business so that you can then share that with your clients. So this, this human design coaching certification is going to be for coaches, healers, online entrepreneurs that work with clients that don't want to create cookie cutter people that want to create personalized transformations for their clients that are perfect for them. That is the thing about human design is that your human design is perfect for you and perfect. Like there's nothing that is better than or worse than in human design. Your human design is perfect for you and your purpose in life. So it's allowing you to embody that and you to step into your own personal power, your own truth, but then also empower other people around you to do the same. 
This is the ripple effect. This is aligned leadership. When I step into my power and share my truth, that's when other people step into their power and share their truth. And then that, you know, empowers other people to do the same. It's like your network grows and grows and grows. And I just, I can't wait for this to happen as the world starts evolving and progressing and we all step into our truth. The world is just going to be such a happier place. (laughs) But I am, so pumped for this, this certification. There will be a link in the show notes to join the wait list. There's only going to be 10 spots for this certification and they will fill up quick because I already have way more people on the wait list than there are spots. So get on the list. You will get first access ahead of the general public. You will get exclusive pricing. You will get exclusive pricing. You will get extended payment plans, private mentorship opportunities, as well as some really, really incredible added bonuses. So can't wait for that to start and for that to be released to the world. So I hope everyone really has a great week and we will see you next week. Keep shining your light. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Empowered Essence. If you loved this episode, don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. And until next time, keep shining your light.